Welcome to the uh, October version reboot of the Texas Rugby Monthly. I am the uh, semi-replacement host, I guess you could call it. I don't even know what to call it at this point. Uh, my name is Jacob Torres. I come from the Scrummed Up podcast. Uh, John Cattell is also joining us from the Scrummed Up podcast. And uh, Rick is staying. He's here. He's the OG. I'm I'm back better than ever. I've got uh, I've got tons of news from Dallas over the last month, and I'm I'm ready to roll. I mean, you know the boots are big in Texas, but you know the reboot is going to always be big for Texas Rugby Monthly. It's it's kind of funny that we're doing the reboot like the next episode after y'all's yearly episode that y'all just had. Yes, <laughs> the the annual show where I was. Uh, I was dumped upon by my my uh, host mates and that they were leaving the show both at the same time uh, for different reasons, good reasons. Both of them are are moving up in the world of rugby, so they will continue uh, their rugby lives uh, outside this show. So just to be clear, they didn't tell you until that episode? That's correct. Yeah. And to be fair, you weren't really on that episode either. I know. <laughs> I, I yeah I kind of I kind of backhanded uh, disappeared on that episode. Uh, SME Rugby, as uh, I think many of our viewers and listeners know, um, I've been deeply involved for five years, um, be six years, and um, I was at a training session. And I figured ah, this would be no problem doing a show from a train <laughs> session. Big mistake, not doing that one again. Well, if it makes it feel any better, usually I'm the one with the bad internet connection. So I guess we can battle out that, uh, that <laughs> title because uh, hey, I've so had far to like, so jump here. off and jump in the truck or drive off somewhere. It's been terrible. So, so yeah, it's good to be back. We're we're a little bit later than normal, but uh, you know what? Better late than never. So, yeah. so two new co-hosts. What do people need to know about you? Uh, so we both played together at the Midland Mad Dogs. Uh, and Abilene. Yeah, and Abilene. So that's where I actually started playing rugby. Um, I think somebody said we went to A&M or something like that. Yeah, uh, defi- that definitely happen. not. <laughs> that, that didn't happen. We're not A&M guys. Uh, so yeah, I just started playing rugby with the Mad Dogs uh, and Abilene with John. And we just always kept in contact, talked rugby, and we're like, hey, why don't we just make a podcast out of it? And that kind of rolled into this one. So all seven of our fans might come over here to listen to this one. <laughs> hey, hey, we're <laughs> up to nine. Hey, nine. you doing this show maybe gets you some more fans on the Scrummed Up podcast. Maybe. maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Win-win. Yes, sir. So, yeah, like I said, I started playing rugby back in, like, 2018. Um, and I just fell in love with the sport. Really wasn't into sports as much as this sport. And I just ran with it, man. This is a great sport. So that's that's a little bit of me. I mean, I'm not a whole lot different. I probably started a year before Jacob. Um, I had a, a coworker um, that he just one day after work he just went for a run. I was like, where are you? Where are you going running out in Pecos, Texas? And he was like, oh, I'm staying in shape for rugby. And I was like, rugby. I was like. I mean, rugby's cool, but like we don't, we don't have that out here. And he was like, "Yeah, man, we have a team in Midland." I hopped on Facebook like that minute, and I was like, "No way!" And I, I signed up basically, and haven't looked back since. But I played uh, outside of Midland and Abilene. I've also played for the Hill Country Blues and San Antonio. Okay. 
Nice. So now that we know a little bit about you, uh, give us a little bit about uh, kind of what your what your show is about. What like what do y'all talk about? What's uh, what's the big topic? We talk about everything when we go from international to the prem, the URC, Super Six. I mean, we hit all of it. The NPC, uh, everything minus France. Basically, we talk about. Okay. Well, we, try to. we try to get as much rugby union as we can. Obviously, it makes for a very long episode. We try to cut <laughs> down a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but like, really, I haven't been able to find a podcast that like just gives you an update on everything rugby union that's going on. And so we decided, why don't we just talk about it ourselves? Well, and we we also have some special episodes that we do that are called Tipsy Team Histories, where we have more than a few drinks and we go over the entire history of a team that's out there whether that's local club or pro mostly we've been doing pro we've done i think the cornish pirates the gallagher chiefs um who else have we done oh we did the british irish lions which actually boosted us up to the number 90 sports podcast in the uk and the us hey there so uh that was crazy um so yeah those are really fun we have an exeter chiefs one coming out that's going to be absolutely insane soon awesome. it's probably gonna it's probably gonna be three parts so. well so with texas rugby monthly now we're gonna specify we're gonna narrow down y'all's field to what's going on in texas um i've been doing this now for a year as we had our annual episode that uh uh disappeared into the into the fog last <laughs> month and we were rebooting but we're gonna take y'all's knowledge of rugby and we're going to force it into what is mostly mlr and as i think uh most people know by now mlr is becoming i would not say you know one of the top leagues in the world but maybe one of the most talked about leagues in the world and so i think you know (laughs) this is going to become bigger and bigger um and especially as you see uh investments come in and uh, one of the things that uh, we've seen was Austin go through the doldrums of lack of investor. And then you see the big investment uh, made uh, two years ago and how that's improved their situation. Um, and then looking at what Houston's done to invest themselves in their program and in getting their own training and workout and playing space, right? It's a beautiful field down there. I went down there for uh, the first time to see a match last year and what they've done and to see what, you know, Dallas can do up here. Um, and hopefully, crossing fingers, since they were one of the original teams that was supposed to play in MLR in the first year um, via Phil Cam, who had built the um, what they were calling the Frisco Griffins and then the Allen Griffins. Um, and then changed to the Jackals as they tried to join MLR. Um, let's look at uh, what where we are with MLR right now. So we're in the offseason, uh, but it's not just any offseason, I would say, because especially for Texas, we're looking at two huge coaching signings, uh, one in Austin, one in Dallas, and then uh, – I'm sorry, one in Houston, one in Dallas, and then um, – Austin trying to come off the back of a 
really improved season and seeing if they can continue to to keep that up. Let's go ahead and start with Houston. Um, I think the biggest signing in all of MLR, right, was was this offseason in finding a really high-level head coach. Uh, what do you all think about the signing? Well, I think it's about time they finally got someone of that experience level, I think, to come in and help with with that team. Um, it's not that they haven't had, I guess, good coaches before or experienced coaches before, but I think this is someone that's a, a proven winner <coughs> and can really help that team out. Yeah, Meyer, you know, his his history with the Springboks, um, and I believe it's the, uh, the Blue the Bulls. Blue Bulls, yeah. Yeah, and... You know, he's just coming in as the director of rugby, uh, but uh, I think we all see, like, this is really a head coach. This is a guy, who, he's going to be making the big decisions about where this program goes in terms of players, in terms of the way they play, everything else. Um, well, I mean, you look at the Prem, and when they talk about who's running the show and who's leading the team, you don't hardly ever hear about head coaches. Yeah. You know, you're hearing this is the director of rugby. And director of rugby. They, whenever they the show manager, the, the person right, of the team on the sideline, it's the director of rugby. That's yeah. who's really running the ship. So I think that's a great signing by Houston. And, you know, I think the biggest challenge has been you can make these signings here in the U.S. for for maybe a year, maybe two years. But a lot of these guys will have higher uh, expectations of where they want to be, right? They, they might go back to South Africa, and now they're not coaching at Blue Bulls, but they're coaching the national team, or, or you know, they're coaching um, over in in Europe or something like that, where there's more money. Uh, obviously, higher recognition of um, if you're trying to become a national team coach. But he's been there, done that. To me, this sounds like somebody who's you know potentially wanting to settle down in the area, maybe not Houston specifically, but settle down in the United States and really help develop uh, United States talent. I think that, to me, that's where this is a huge signing for them. Is he, he, he seems like the kind of guy, he's at that point in his career where this could be a long-term deal for them, which it could be yeah. huge. I hope so. And then looking at um, the two signings that they had, uh, it was either this morning, early this morning, late last night. I think these were delayed announcements. I think these signings were made quite a while ago. But Danny Barrett and uh, Leuda coming in. Um, obviously, Sevens guys haven't always worked out on the 15s series. Um, what do you think about these two guys, though, specifically? I'm a little nervous about Barrett, honestly. What? I... Hear me out. So his ball carrying in sevens is, as everybody knows, incredible. Look at his highlights. I mean, he's basically Marshawn Lynch of rugby. It's ridiculous. Defensively, he's all right. But I mean, and it's in sevens, so it is a little bit harder. You have a lot more space to try to cover. But I don't know how sound he's going to be defensively on 15s. How well is he going to be able to hold his gaps? I'm, I'm just not sure. I mean, I could be way off here. Maybe he's going to be an absolute stud on defense, but I think they signed Danny Barrett to get people to come to their games. People are going to be excited to see one of their favorite sevens, you know, Boom world shocking. seven stars. They want to go see him play. So whether he works out or not, I don't think Houston necessarily cares all that much. They just want to get people in right now, I think. Yeah, and he also is probably looking at... Um, 
you know, what is he going to do after he he finishes his sevens career? Um, those contracts are are not amazing, right? Those are no. some of the kind of lowest fruit contracts. They basically um, make what Walmart workers make. Right. But also they get to be Olympians. But he's yep. been there and done that now. He's, you know, done several World Cups on the Sevens Tour. He's been a national team eagle in 15s. Um, you know, maybe it's, hey, maybe I need to really think about jumping in and grabbing a contract, a long-term yeah. contract, changing over to 15s and playing out the rest of my career in 15s rather than 7s, where he is looking, I would say, a step slower on the 7s tour than he has in the past. Um, I My concern is not necessarily what he can do defensively, but where they're positioning him. It sounds like they're going to put him on the back row. It's got to be six. I almost feel like he should be in the centers because I, I'd rather have his defensive capability outside um, and not around the ruck, not around the scrum, where he's going to be playing against much more experienced players um, who have played in those positions for a long time and understand those tactics a lot better than than maybe he does now. He <laughs> played on the national team. Bit. He played at, at six, I believe, uh, for a couple of matches. But those were against, I don't even remember who it was, nobody of any significance, right? Yeah. Uh, this is different. You know, the, he's going to be playing against uh, international talent um, in the back row, especially in MLR. Um, I think it's a challenge. It's it's a big challenge for him. I think Leuda is interesting. Um, because he's about the same size as Danny, but he does not play the same way that no, Danny. Not not at all. Um, so he's a really interesting. I I kind of like him as maybe a winger in 15s. Yeah. Um, but it'll be really interesting to see him transition because he hasn't done this transition. No. Danny has. But Leuda really hasn't. But they can take their time with him. They don't, I mean, he doesn't have to step in. I mean, I Houston really did so poorly last year that even if he does have to step in, it's not going to – they really can't get much worse. So, I mean, it's not going to hurt them. <laughs> if, he, if he has – I'm just saying, it's <clears throat> if he has to step in straight away and try to start at winger or, you know, 13 maybe, wherever they need him, it's not going to be a huge deal if he doesn't perform. No, he's straight I don't away. think he's a liability. I think it'll just be interesting to see if can he outperform a guy who's been playing 15s for five to six years who might not be as talented as him. And what is what will his reaction be if he's not a starter? Yeah, I just think maybe his seven skill set would be enough to get him out there starting or at least coming off the bench, you know, hopefully. All right, Jacob, you had a strong opinion clearly about Danny playing 15s and uh, we ignored it. So go ahead. Oh yeah. Uh, Like you said, I I really think he'd be great at center. Uh, John, you might laugh at this, but I think he might (laughs) be uh, the Bundy a key for Houston. I think he's going to come in and punch holes in the, uh, in the defense. Or be uh, a penalty machine. <laughs> well, let's hope he's not a penalty machine. But I think it, as a center, uh, Danny Barrett's going to do badass. I think that's that's probably where the best spot to put him. Um, 
You don't think so? I think. Well, I think he could be both. I mean, I think yeah. they could use him in a pinch wherever. If he want, if they want to use him as a bench player, why not have him do whatever yeah. is needed? Depends on where they're going to be strong or where they're going to be weak, depending on their roster. Because we I don't think, know who all is going to be on their team still. I think both guys would be really good as bench players. I'm, I would just be really surprised that you know they would sign a uh, contract in MLR to be bench players, right? That just seems a little right. bit different. Well, because they're, they're both playing in this uh, PR sevens. Thing, mm-hmm, correct. So, yeah, they have but contracts, I'm guessing we'll run seven, into... though, it, and it really looks like they're going to be falling off of the national team fairly soon. I, you've got a lot of guys that are being brought up. Obviously, we saw them uh, in the recent tournament, uh, uh, two tournaments in Canada, where they lost. And uh, you know, neither of them were huge parts of that, right? I mean, you saw Still out there. You saw um, Lamore out there. Uh, a lot of new faces yeah. and new names uh so maybe this is they both realize they they want to transition but why why not take a shot over uh in in europe somewhere or and it could just be they just want to be here and they're willing to kind of accept a back background roles if if that's what it needs to be yeah um other news in houston uh sam windsor is leaving the team so that is a as much as Danny Barrett coming in is a big signing, Windsor stepping away is humongous for that. Well, team. he was the number one scorer in, in MLR in MLR history, correct? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Over his his four and a half years or whatever it was, he was the highest scorer. Yep. Uh, his kicking, obviously, they're gonna they're gonna miss a lot. Yeah. Um, uh, hearing uh, things out of there. Uh, there may be other areas where they don't feel like they're losing as much. Um, I mean, athleticism and defense, probably not, but his leadership and his kicking. I mean, when with a team that can't really score tries, if you got to get points on the board, that's who you need. And so without without him, him him leaving, I'm curious to see if he's signing somewhere else in MLR or if he's, he's found a deal somewhere overseas. Cause it, he said something a lot on his Instagram he basically said, I don't know. It's It kind of sounds like he might be looking somewhere else. Yeah. Which, I mean, same sort of thing like Barrett. You know, he's kind of done a lot. Maybe he wants to, he's at the very end of his career. Maybe he wants to go somewhere and wait. Hey, a lot of these guys are Robbie, Robbie Petzer, which, uh, you know, I'm sad that he's not going to be returning to MLR. And, and, you know, I'm sure the Jackals reached out to him. He's going over to Japan. He's going or sorry, South Africa. But he was going to go over to Japan. Uh, Japan seems like a spot where Windsor might be really successful. Yeah, I think so. He could go join any team over there realistically and play. I mean, there's, um, what is it, like the Green Rockets? They got outscored by like 300 points in their season or whatever it was. But he could go over there and make double what he was making in the MLR. Absolutely. And, and what his an kicking would, that would be. His kicking like, would absolutely fit in with the way they play over there as well. Yeah, absolutely. So that's that is really all that's happened in Houston. Um I think the the thing for them is it can't get worse. No. Not right? really. <laughs> and so they're not it sucks because Houston isn't terrible if you go back and not go back but if you watched any of their games last season they were in most of those games until about 
60 minutes. Yeah. And then at 60 minutes, the wheels fell off and they just got demolished. Yeah, I was going to say 20 minutes left in the match. We saw them play uh, in person against Utah. Got to see my, uh, Mike Gesselman, uh, Grand Prairie, shout out. Um, they were in it until uh, they didn't quite make 60 minutes, maybe 53, 55 minutes. Yeah. And I think one there was one turnover that ended up in a try for Utah, and that just opened the floodgates. Um, they're a team that they wanted to get bigger this year. Um, obviously, with the two signs we've seen, they didn't get bigger. Um, but they, their pack, they had a good scrum, and they were really screwed by the new scrum rules. Yeah. They did not, like, they planned for a certain style of play, and the new rules that were brought in, like, basically totally killed what they were trying to do. So I think, you know, now they've had a year on that, and then along with a new director of rugby coming in, new coaching uh, coaches coming in, new system, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of new players that we were told basically at the end of the year that there's going to be huge turnover yeah. in the players. I think that this year should be considerably better for them. And maybe at the expense of L.A. and Utah not having quite as good a years as they did last year. I think the signings that those two teams had made last year, obviously L.A. Yeah, L.A. That other teams definitely. realize, oh, crap, we can't just, you know, live off of what we've been doing. We got to we got to step it up a level. Yeah, I think that's really what hurt Houston was they were just kind of playing along with what they've been doing the last three years, every other team went out and got international talent. And it, it very clearly showed that Houston was a step behind in that. Yeah. Jacob, anything? Uh, I'm, I'm excited for the head coach for, um, for Houston, mainly because I think it'll bring more attention to USA rugby. Yeah. Um, you know, because the guy that, that was coaching for the Giltinis, uh, Darren Coleman, he actually just left to go coach the Waratahs. Yeah. So now we got some guy that, you know, was with the Bulls and Super Rugby coming back to coach MLR. I, th I think that's huge for us. So I'm excited this, to see the, what eyes that brings also. The head coaching hires, I think in general, are way bigger than the player signings because those are what bring a lot of the eyes. It, I mean, if you sign Dan Carter, obviously you're going to have, just because of his social yeah. media and everything. You're going to have so many more eyes. But these head coaches, like the old school, like rugby hardcore fans, they go, oh, wow. Like he's going there. I'm going to have to watch some of those games because they really want to see, you know, what's happening over here that would bring coaches like that over. Um, so that's really exciting to see. Um, Austin. Well, and other other players want to go play for people like that. If you if you coach the Blue Bulls to a title, even if it was 18 years ago, there are players in South Africa that know that, and they go, oh, hey, you know, I'm having a tough time over here with the Western Province or whatever. I'm second string hooker with Western Province, and I can't seem to get a starting position. Maybe I'll, you know, see what's going on with the Jackals or with Houston, you know, like so whatever. So you ready for a bunch of Cheetahs and Western Province guys to be signing in Houston? <laughs> That's exactly what Southern Kings <laughs> and stuff like that. Southern Kings, yeah, all the guys that are basically failing out of the uh, the uh, uh, Pro 14 uh, system. Yeah. Well, what is it now? It's um. What are they called? Yeah, they have a different name for it, don't they? Well, it was the URC now, which took four of the South African teams. Oh, that's but it. 
there's um what's the other what's the south african competition oh curry cup curry cup yeah which was just absolute crap to watch yeah um you know all their players are i get messages from south africans pretty regularly about trying to come over here and play and most of it's because they just want to live in the u.s yeah um they see that they can get a professional contract over here it doesn't really matter how much money it is um they want the lifestyle over here and so we are going to get a lot of signings just because of lifestyle people want to, want to be here to, to enjoy that's, the lifestyle we that's have. part of why la did so good was people didn't <laughs> care if they were going to come over and make 40 grand i mean that's nothing especially to live in la like right but they were like well it's the end of my career whatever i'll come over and play in la for 40 grand and go we'll surfing win. yeah exactly. their budgy budgy shorts yeah, <laughs> drink free beer all day i mean why not gillies Gilly Logger. Yep. Yep. Hey, hey, at least he came out with some sort of alcohol beverage because I've yet to see a Giltini and I've yet to see a Gilgrony. Yep. I'm still waiting for the Austin release of. I feel like we were promised Gilgronies at the end of last season. Oh, absolutely we were. And we have not seen yeah. a Gilgrony. We haven't even seen a marketing ad for what the Gilgrony would look like. Didn't we get, we got Mooney Shine before we got. The yes. Gilgrony. <laughs> he absolutely did. Man. You know, I the like funniest it. part, though, is Houston, you know, the big uh, brewery down there, Carbach, got mm-hmm. bought out by, um, oh, An- Anheuser-Busch, I want to say. They buy out everybody in Texas. Yeah. But they put so much money into it that, you know, Carbach is obviously, they're they're huge with um, most of the professional teams in Houston. But they're the they're, main they're sponsor. They're big with it. Uh, the Gilgrony is not too. And so now they're at Austin. And I even asked, I asked uh, Scott Sanji, the president of uh, the Jackals, if uh, Carbach was going to be involved with the Jackals. And he said, I can't say anything about that. <laughs> I was like, of course they are. Because <laughs> the part of the ownership group is uh, the Texas Rangers. Like it's a group of uh, uh, the Texas Rangers, not all the ownership for the Rangers, but a, a portion of them. Yeah. And uh, the Rangers have a big Carbock Brewery thing inside the stadium. So I was like, oh, well, this is almost like a guarantee now. Carbock's basically going to be the main sponsor for all the MLR teams in Texas. I think I think the Dallas Stars do too, actually. <laughs> I'm like, we have Deep Bellum. Austin has Shiner. I'm like, what are they doing? Well, they have Austin. There's like Austin Beer Works. There's the the Cider in Austin. And there's Austin has like 10 different things they could have done. Yeah, People, when they, first, when they first signed with Carbock, a ton of Austin fans. More, I think more people were upset about them going to Carbock than they were about them changing their name to the Gilgrona. <laughs> it was pretty bad. That's funny. I didn't care as long as they started winning. Hey, we're all I don't, very what I don't know how Midlanders uh, enjoy their beer. Is it warm? No, no, hell no. Hey, I'm. I was in Midland part time. I left as soon as I could. <laughs> I'm stuck here. It's a black hole. So let's it's move to Austin. Uh, we've given the Saber Kitties their due. Uh, so Austin uh, haven't had a lot of signings. We've obviously one lost player who we'll talk about when we get to the Jackals. Um, but they're doing the camps, right? And one of the things that um, Austin did mid-season, I believe, last year, was develop their U23, U20 something program right the, youth program. the outlaws the outlaws 
So, which um, would have been a way better name than the Gilgronies. <laughs> Why would you name the team that no one's going to want to watch or pay for the cool name? But the then Austin you're like, Outlaws, which sounds good too. <laughs> sounds amazing. <laughs> because there's an owner who has the ego the size of Kanye West running running the show there. That's all it is. I wonder what Kanye would name them. <laughs> the, the, he, the, the East. Yeah. <laughs> the North, the South. Houston would be the South. Dallas would be the North. <laughs> Austin would be the East. Um, but the camps, um, that's one of the things that I've complained about with the Jackals is um, they haven't been doing camps, right? And I think part of initially was because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. But now it's kind of like, well, why are they not? I mean, there's no reason not to, but. And there's so many teams in Dallas that they could be having. I mean, you've got really easy what, Alliance, Reds, Diablos, Harlequins, Grand Dark, Prairie, Mavericks, Grand who are Prairie. Now playing D1 rugby. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's that, which is crazy for Grand Prairie because a couple of years ago we were playing them at like D3 level. Yep. So, and beating them. Yeah. Well, they brought in all those HEB guys. We can talk about Dallas when we get to it. Okay, so Austin, the development program, uh, <laughs> what do y'all think is going to have the big – how big so an I, impact do you think that's going to be for them? I think it's cool because, like, right now, they – I think it was a couple days ago they just posted um, all three of their draft picks are playing for the Outlaws against the, the Huns, I think, Yeah. which I think they typically do. They always have games against, you know, the Huns' D1 side will play the AG's side, and I think they usually have a few AG's players on the Huns' D1 side. Um, so I think that's a good idea. I think Houston's doing the same sort of thing. So I don't know why Dallas. Yeah, the, the yeah, uh, I think it's good for Austin. Rugby HTX really was developed because there wasn't a D1 program in Houston, uh, so they didn't really have anybody to develop players for them. Hmm. So that the idea there was, well, we, we have to develop players with somebody. So they just created their own, right? And often you have the Blacks and the Huns. So theoretically, you could say we could just develop players using the two D1 programs. So I think it's interesting that they've decided to create their own development team. But I think as we're getting a crotch shot here of John. Sorry, um, I got I got a leg cramp right now. Oh, <laughs> this is this will be on the bloopers list. <laughs> um, that, you know. They've decided they're going to go with the development team. And I think one of the things that I would, y'all probably agree on this, the future of the league is to have a MLR side and then a development side yep. and then D1 club, right? And I think it makes the most sense in the world because the D1 clubs are not going to develop players to play in the same system as MLR. No. Now they can develop players, young players, uh, to get to a point where you would want to assign them to w- whatever would be like the two-way contract, right? That they would bring them on to Rugby HTX or the Austin Outlaws and develop them in their system and see how they could fit playing uh, for the MLR side. But I, I think that's the way that it's going to be. And I think, you know, D1 clubs are just going to have to suck it up and accept these development teams as, you know, potential opponents uh, through the season, it seems like the Huns have accepted it. Uh, I assume the Blacks are doing the same in Austin. Okay, maybe not as much. I think 
from someone who doesn't know a whole lot about the Blacks, I know a little bit about the Huns, mostly just from playing against them with Midland and San Antonio. It seems more like the Gilgronis, honestly, they favor the Huns, obviously, because that's where they That's came where from. it was developed. That's yeah. where it was developed in. And the feeling I get, which could be wrong, is that the Blacks maybe feel a little bit like they got shafted on that deal. Yeah. Um, so for them, for the Huns, of course, they're, they're all about playing the outlaws and because they, they have their own players that want to get into that and right. move up to the, the AGs. I think the blacks generally maybe have a little bit of a standoffish feeling towards that. So I don't necessarily think they would not want to play them. I don't see why you wouldn't want is, any experience is good experience. So if you have you know, players who are, you know, potentially going on to a professional contract and club, why why wouldn't you play them? Right. So I think it would be good for for everybody, for the blacks, for the Huns, and for the developmental side. Yeah, yeah. I think that there's this fear that you're gonna lose all these players to these development sides, right? And, and realistically, how many are you gonna lose? Exactly. Three, and four, may, maybe if you have I a really that, good side. I think one of the things that people missed on was you're not going to lose as many players as potentially you're going to gain because let's let's say you've got um, kids from OU or kids from Arkansas State or kids from um, I don't know where else uh, Tulsa or you know out in the Boondocks in Midland in um, uh, Lubbock whatever you know where are they going to go if they want to play professional rugby. You're going to go to your You're not going to keep playing for Midland or Tulsa or, or o- OU, Oklahoma City, or Arkansas State. They're going to find a city that has a professional team and go play for those D1 clubs yep. to try and get eyes on, right? And so you're potentially going to gain a bunch of players, especially college grads who don't get drafted. They're going to be trying to find a city with an MLR team. So having that MLR team in the development side in your city is going to give more opportunities for your players, which then recommends to players who don't live there to come and play for you yeah. so that they can have a shot at getting on that development side. Well, it seems like every year that that seems to happen with the Gilgronies. There's always a couple front rowers that are called up from the Huns, which basically they know that like, hey, I'm going to play for the Huns this year. They're D1 side, but at any given moment, they could call yeah, me Yeah, if up. there's an injury or whatever, now yeah, you're on they, they, they know right. that they're next up for the call. So, of course, it happens all the time. You know, you go anywhere that has a D1 program or a, more than one D1 program, you're going to go play there if they have a professional team and you weren't picked, and you, but you want to move on in your career. Yeah, I went and talked to uh, Kyle Breitenbach for uh, about 15 minutes, and he's one of those guys, right? And they even had – there was another guy, and I can't remember his name, but I played against him multiple times. Um, you know, or pulled up and Breitenbach caught on, right? And is now a full-time MLR player. Uh, that's a little bit more on the rare side, but hey, if you're going to get to go up and play 20 minutes in a couple of matches during a professional season on a, you know, short-term contract, that, you know, that's an experience you, you yeah, are never absolutely. going to have ever in the yeah. other so I, I think, you know, it is going to attract more people uh, to those programs. And I think we're already seeing that Grand Prairie is up to D1 now. Um, the Just the rumor of Dallas getting a team has had an influx of players into the area who 
weren't living in Dallas before. They were living outside somewhere. So I I think that the benefits outweigh the negatives. I, I can certainly understand, you know, the fear of losing the players, but I think you're going to gain more than you're going to lose in the long yeah, run. Yeah, I would agree. I think say, I would say you're going to gain significantly more than you're going to lose. Yeah. So let's let's jump into what Dallas is doing. Uh, this is my hometown. Um, I'm a Dallas. I born and bred. Uh, lived seven years in Houston, uh, four years of college in Ohio. But outside of that, I've been I've been in Dallas my life. Um, they're not in in talking about development programs. They're not going with the development program, not off the bat anyway. So they're using the red. They you know had done those mm-hmm. deals with the Reds and the Quins to be development programs for their players. Um, and the Reds and the Quins play at a fairly high level generally. Um, and the Reds, especially lately, have been on the national 15s and 7s uh, <laughs> tournaments. So Good uh, for the Reds. Uh, yeah. But um, I, th- I think it's interesting. They're kind of bucking the trend of development programs. And I would say that some of these professional teams are looking at what's the value versus the cost, right? And maybe in the first year where you're trying to keep costs lower, especially in a huge stadium as Dallas is going to be playing in, um, a development squad is not cheap. You've got to feed these kids. You've got to pay them something. You've got to room and board them. Um, there, there's a lot of costs that go into that. You've got a training staff, coaching staff, everything else for these kids. Um, but what do they lose in the process of doing that? I don't know. I mean, outside of money, nothing. So, but not having these players play together, right? So they're not using one team to develop the players. If you have them on different teams, they're not playing together. They're playing with guys that they may not. So they probably don't with. particularly like each other either. Not at all, as I as I well know. <laughs> so I I think it's interesting. I think. Uh, we're going to learn a lot after one season of how how well that goes. Um, I think that within five years, every single team in the league will have a development side. I would yeah. be surprised if they don't. I think you need to. I mean, you look at every major other um, like league out there. I mean, the yeah. Prem, they've all got one. You look at Super Rugby, they've all got three. Yeah. I mean, it, it's... It's, it's a little bit easier for them to do that, but yes. But I mean, yeah, obviously it's a rugby. little different, New Zealand. But I mean, <laughs> like it's the it still holds true where they all have developmental programs and they can pick and choose from there. And if someone isn't working out, then it just isn't working out. But every now and then you find someone who just turns up and they're amazing. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what Dallas does with that. Um, now, moving on to you know what Dallas does have is obviously the stadium which i've been in sat in for a few minutes uh when it got my season tickets in it's gonna feel very much like what the coliseum looked like on tv uh if y'all remember and they tried not to do wide shots yeah. of the crowd in that stadium for yeah. for good reason uh, it's a that was that's a ninety thousand person stadium close to 85 something like that and they were averaging like five to six thousand a game or something which which is, which is a good crowd absolutely and mlr is a, a crazy good crowd, good crowd but 
but you that's look a good at crowd how that for looks the on championship TV and just, or even the prem. I mean, that that's a good crowd. Yeah. But in a 90,000, you know, capacity stadium looks pretty bad. Yeah. Um, I think Dallas is going to have the same issue. Yeah, probably. It's a 60. It's a, uh, what is it? Is it 60,000? Can't be that much. I, it probably is. It's a 48, 48. It may be 48. Maybe I'm remembering incorrect. I think maybe 48 is great. Either, either way, that's a huge stadium for what I'm going to guess is going to be three to 4,000 people a game there. Yeah. And, and that may be a little bit on the generous side. But even so, you're talking about, you know, you're going to hear echoes in that stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks beautiful, but it's not going to look fun um, for the TV viewing audience when you show a wide shot, which we'll see what they do as far as TV production goes. Um, I mean, you think they would have everything set up already, so it, it shouldn't be hard to get it to look good there. Without showing the fans, they, they can make the game look good. Right. Yeah, that's the one thing is you do have all the pre-production. Uh, yeah, everything uh, is set up for the perfectly. Already there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the biggest the biggest signings for Dallas, um, obviously, we looked at recently the head coach and special consultant. To me, the special consultant may be the biggest signing, just like Heineken Meyer is down in Houston, uh, bringing Brian Ashton, former English uh, national team coach, he's coached everywhere over there. Um, we took him to the World Cup. Yeah. I mean, so, well, the final, I guess. I the mean, final. They lost. And but... um, he's clearly at a stage where he may not ever even spend time over here. Um, I'm curious to see how that relationship's going to work. Um, but there, there's not going to be a negative effect from that one. That's no, I mean, Especially yeah. for the head coach that they've signed, a 32-year-old, who's actually younger than several of his players. Um. I, I think it's going to be a huge help for him uh, developing going forward. But it does make you think, like, what are the expectations for Dallas this year? They may be the worst team in the conference. You think, I think even over even over Houston? At, you look at what, like, just Heineke Meyer, what he brings in. I can't imagine there's not going to be a bunch of South Africans who sign up in the next month and a half to play with him. And um, you bring in a 32-year-old Australian head coach who has not coached necessarily at the highest level in Australia and um, who doesn't really have a brand. Um, but maybe he's a guy who's going to be around for a while. But the fear with a guy like that is that he's going to make a name for himself over here and then, leave. Um, and then go back. Yeah. Right, where he's going to get a bigger. Which uh, is not unheard of in the MLR. No, and honestly, I mean, it's it's a it's a great way for some of these coaches to cut their teeth um, yeah. and get bigger contracts and go elsewhere, and that's fine. Like, if he's good and he gets a big contract and goes elsewhere, that's great for him. That shows that, you know, the Jackals have really done their job. But it's also, it feels very FC Dallas. If y'all don't know the FC Dallas feeling, it's like, oh, we've got this great young player. He's going to be awesome. And then we're going to sell him in three months and then we'll never see him again. And what was the point of that? Yeah, no, I get it. I'm a Sacramento Kings fan. So I, yeah, I get it. <sighs> so it's just, it's, it's brutal. Like knowing like, uh, it's a young head coach. who's probably going to cut his teeth and go elsewhere. I hope he sticks around. i um, excited to try and get him in for an interview. Um, but even so, I think, you know, one of the things that we talked about is, is, um, uh, Din Dogs from the Jackal Den was 
we want a Southern Hemisphere coach who's going to bring that style of rugby, right? Because we were looking at, before we were looking at Mike Ford and thinking, you know, I'm not sure that his style of rugby is the style of rugby we want to play. He's a rugby league defensive coach, right? So he might be, bring good defense, but the yeah, offense, Defensively, I mean, that works out. Right, but offensively, maybe it's not the style of rugby that we would like to see. No. I think the style of rugby that this guy's going to bring, he's also a sevens guy, right? And we've signed a bunch of these sevens t- style slash type players. Um, and that's kind of what it looked like going in from last year was a lot of guys who are uh, not necessarily seven style, but kind of that super quick attacking, offloading style rugby, champagne style rugby. And I think that's very exciting. I mean, I would love to have – I'd. I'm not hating on Houston, but let's just use Houston as an example of the opposite of the style of rugby that I like to watch personally. So um, it's exciting to me to see, you know, the style that he's going to bring and uh, the players that they've started signing, Um, especially when we talk about just going into the draft. And we've talked about it before on Texas Rugby Monthly, but um, bringing in guys who are – you know, defense could be worked on, set piece could be worked on, but when they're in the loose and they're, you know, running into defenders, they're getting offloads away. They're they're making the defense work, right? Um, guys who are, who are, you know, dynamic in open field. Those are the kind of players, as we're looking at it, this is exciting style rugby that they're trying to bring to Dallas. And I hope... I hope that, you know, brings in more eyes, brings in more money, because if you look at two, three years down the road, if you can keep all these young players and develop around them and maybe Michael Hodge develops into a phenomenal coach and wants to stay here and become an American citizen for whatever reason, you know, this becomes you sound, a program. You sound very optimistic about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 it, it really, especially young Southern hemisphere coaches. I really struggle with seeing them come in. I mean, Coleman fairly young, not as young as Hodge, but fairly young. And you saw one year and he's gone. Right. So now I'm thinking like, how long are these guys going to really stick around when the money is what it is. And Coleman wanted to stay for three years. That's what he said. Yeah, they say he that said, until something better said, comes along. The Warsaws came calling, call and he was like, but when right. they when they bring that bag, <laughs> Which yeah, by the way, the Waratahs were by far the worst team in Super Rugby AU by a lot. But they brought the bag. When you got but, Super Rugby calling MLR coaches. That's eyes on the sport. That's all we need. Yeah, yeah, and I think it, for MLR as a whole, it's huge, obviously. But when you're trying to develop a new program, it's it's a little scary. <laughs> so when you get a guy like um, uh, a Ford in here to be the head coach. I don't think there's that huge fear that he's going to go off and, and sign a big – he's kind of been there, done that, right? Yeah. Um, he's There's not that fear he's going to go sign that big contract. You get a Darren Coleman in here, maybe a Michael Hodge, right? How long maybe. is he going to stick around if the Warthaws or somebody come calling, right? Uh, so that that's definitely difficult to think about. Uh, but I think the style of rugby that they're trying to play or it looks like they're trying to play with the signings, should be a lot of fun, whether they win or lose, you know, drinking beers and enjoying the game is, is the key. Right. So, um, I, it's going to be fun. The experience that they're trying to provide, uh, should be fun. 
Um, the Jackal Den, I know we're trying to do a lot of things that will assist in that. We're looking at some pre-parties. We're looking at a bunch of watch parties. We're going to try and bring energy to that environment. We're trying to do some things that no other rugby team has ever done. Um, trying to bring over some things from, from the soccer hooligans that uh, isn't hooligan based, but is is so. So you're not going to be riding ATVs on the field while people are trying to take kicks. No, we will. We we're trying not to do that. Oh, we see um, you, Utah. But I think some of the 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 chants and things uh, in between, or you know, we're we're going to try and do things that are going to be a little bit different than we're going to try and make you know specific to Dallas and make it exciting. So um, we're working on a lot of things, but. Let's get into the signings real quick because we're already running a little low on time. But um, obviously, and we have like Hodge 40 signings to, to go over to run this show. But um, our buddy Carlo Denison, who was a signing from last year, coming back um, from the Legion, uh, I believe he was out of contract. Uh, I believe his family is living in the area. And um, a really exciting scrum half, very dynamic, played with the Colorado Raptors. Um, was there for a couple of years uh, before it was the Raptors, um, or at least the MLR Raptors, and obviously fell out there, came to Dallas, and immediately jettisoned to San Diego, where he really didn't get a whole lot of time. Um, they had a young scrum half that they had um, signed uh, or drafted, and they brought in, I can't remember the scrum half that they brought in, and they had Nate Augsburger. So there, there were he was kind of low in the, the pecking order of, of scrum house there. Um, I think it's going to be a great opportunity for him. Then you look at, to me, two huge signings, Chris Pennell and Henry Trender, right? Those yeah. are the ones that everybody wants to talk about. Both guys from Premiership, recently played in Premiership, uh, Trender from Gloucester and uh, Pennell from Worcester. Uh, what do you think about those signings? Because I, I have my own feelings about it, but I would love to hear others. All right, so... The penal one, I think, is big. Um, I mean, he he's a, a warrior, Worcester Warriors legend. This guy has got like 250 appearances, over 250 appearances. Them. I think 225 of them or something like that were first team. So, I mean, he's been there for a long time as a fullback. He knows what he's doing. He's great under the high ball. He's got a good good boot on him. He is a little on the old side. So... <laughs> I'm not He's sure. older than Hodge. He's older than the head coach, so Right. I by a little bit too. Um <laughs> I think four years. Yeah. So he's a little on the, the old side to maybe be showing off athleticism in the MLR, but I think his experience and his know how is gonna be really big for any young players that are with Dallas. I actually have him penciled in currently at fly half. Slash I could, yeah, I could, I could see I that. really like him at fly half just because of, like you said, he's the a little bit older in the tooth. He knows how, how an offense runs. Mm-hmm. He can run things from the back, but he could clearly run things from the front as well. And he's got a great boot, as yep. you said. And he's a kicker. And he with that 50-22 law coming in, I think that would be huge for them. Yeah. And so then... For us too, right? The 50-22? It's, it's going to be for everybody. All right. Yeah. So 50-22, they're doing the... Uh, Goal line drop and the uh, what was the other? Um, oh my gosh, what was the other rule? 
can't remember at the moment, but there was another. I, I swear it was something scrum related, but I could be wrong about that. Well, it was the one that the, ML, the one that MLR implemented, or World Rugby implemented. No, World Rugby. So you have the fifty twenty two and the goal line goal drop. Line those were the two. Those were the two big ones. Really. Yeah, and I, that's the one I hate the most is the goal line drop because I don't know. If, I kind of like it. If the referee can't see that you touched it down, but you clearly touched it down, and now you're turning the ball over, like to me, that's huge. I mean, MLR needs TMO, but... Yes, if you had TMO, I'd feel a little bit better about that, but without TMO, it definitely hurts. Yeah, without TMO, it sucks. I mean, but yeah, it was... <laughs> I think in general, it's a good rule because the defense should be awarded. If it would suck, you get, you know, all kinds of stops, and then they're just like, well, offense gets to keep the ball, and they're going to keep ramming it down your throat until they <laughs> inevitably score. Because you're going to give away a penalty. I mean, at chance, yeah. 90%, you're not going to hold them out forever. So yeah. I think oh, it's maybe maybe you say it should have been a defensive scrum down of the five. That I think would be more fair. Anyway. Either way, you're going to wind up kicking the ball away. <laughs> what it, <laughs> what were your thoughts, Jacob, about about the penal signing? Uh, well, I don't know much about penal, honestly. Uh, but as we've talked about on our podcast, we're getting more and more people from overseas wanting to come play over here, and I mean it's just going to help the sport anyways, no matter who it is. Um, he is he is a Gloucester guy though, so he probably knows yeah. a little more about Trinder. Yeah, um, not not as much as you would think, but I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't like I said I don't know that much about him. But again, I mean, you got a lot of people directly. I mean, hell, even Danny Cares looking at the Guiltinis to come over to play. So I mean, it, it can't hurt, you know. So I'm excited either way. I think so. To me, Pennell is um, he's a Sam Windsor type of player who can be a difference maker off the boot and who can run an offense. Yeah. Right. He's not going to be breaking off any 60 meter runs or anything like that. No, but I think if you have, if you had him at fly half with Trinder at, at inside, Mm -hmm. um, you have a potential great kind of, uh, you know, what England does with their offense with Farrell and Ford kind of not anymore, not, not anymore. I mean, Marcus Smith should be the 10. But, uh, I mean, as a Harlequins fan, I, I'm a little bit biased on that one. We agree <laughs> with you on that. <laughs> Unless they're playing Scotland, then play Ford. Yeah. But kind of that same idea of you've, you've got two playmakers who can who can kick the ball. Trinder, who's, I would say, much better in terms of just being a, a brutal runner. Yeah. Um, Definitely. He's not, he's not what you would think of as a prototypical 12. But to me, what Dallas is going to play is not going to be the prototypical kind of American style or even traditional style rugby of a you know hammer at twelve. Yeah. Um, what it what I would imagine is it's going to be more of they're going to try and use both their ten and twelve as um, you know uh, what did we call them like yeah like playmakers golf. Like they're they're going to be out there directing people instead exactly. of just you're not having a crash ball twelve and trender who's just going to smash into the first person he sees exactly. So and so I think both I, of these think guys are going to be. I mean, if like, that's what they decide to play, that could be really exciting, especially if you have Ned Hodson. I think actually Ned Hodson at fullback because he's played there quite a bit yeah. with AGs could be really interesting. Yeah, it could be. Defensively, he's a little shaky. Yeah, that's okay. True. He but kind of maybe should be out on the wing. I, I, I'm not looking at this team as wow. There's a lot of good defensive players on this team. No, this is this is I definitely going to be, be a uh, lot of 30, 30 point, 40 point, you know, 
you know, last guy who has the ball scores, you know, wins the game sort of yep. uh, team, at least what I'm looking at from them, uh, from the players that they've been signing, especially just looking at last year. And I know like Elaine is not going to change from year to year what style she's wanting this team to be or this program to be, right? She's the GM. She's been the GM, to be fair. And the, you can see in the signings the kind of play that she wants. And I, you know, I assume Michael is really on board with that. Brian Ashton's going to come in and support that, right? He's going to say, okay, this is style we're going to play. Here's how we're going to. Here's, yeah, here's the best way to get that done. Here's some things to be thinking about. You know, here are maybe some players you should go look at. That sort of stuff, right? Um, so bringing back Bronson Tellus, to me, he, he was underutilized in Houston. Um, I don't know what the best way to utilize him is. I still think is six. He's been playing a lot of seven. But to me, six is really yeah. maybe his best position. And the, it just it hasn't worked out for whatever reason. Could I mean it could be a number of things, but I hopefully I think I think you're right. I think six is probably a little bit better for him. Um, I think he's maybe a little bit, a little bit stronger. He can be a little bit more of a bully headhunter yep. at six instead of being the quicker dynamic seven. Right. So, and then uh, they brought in Charlie McKill from Australia. So there's already some Australia connections here. I'm not sure where that comes from because Elaine's connections are mostly up in. In the Scot- Scottish English well, area. Well, that's, that's what he did. He's actually a Scot that played in Australia. Ah, there we go. So there's so, the Scottish connection. Yep. Uh, and they had another Scottish connection. Um, I I actually didn't even list them down. There's another player they got. Um, um, I, can't, I can't remember his name, but another Scottish connection as well. Um, and then a bunch of development contracts. It's not surprising because that's the way that they announced players last year was really um uh development contracts early uh because uh they had already made contact with them for a long time yeah and uh basically it was just kind of low-hanging fruit in terms of announcements right and i think as we get closer to the season we'll see some bigger announcement but ned hodson coming from austin we already talked about him but he's a super dynamic player you watch his highlights and just his frame he doesn't look like he should be able to do what he does but It's pretty incredible the way he plays. And I think, you know, with what the AGs were doing last year, he just didn't fit. Yeah, his, his playing time was a little bit sparse. But but when he got on the field, he was really, really good. I mean, he had one of the tries of the year. Yeah. So I, I, I like that signing. Um, and then along with that, you had, um, you know, some development players from big programs. So Timothy, uh, Timothy or Timmy Olawain, a prop from Chicago. Um, and then um, another prop, uh, where oh, from uh, Kennesaw, uh, Tajay um, Olagongi, Olagonju. Man, I just butchered that, I'm sure. Um, Olagonju. And then obviously, y'all are probably familiar with uh, Nate Leon, uh, the fly half from the Austin Blacks. He was on development contract last year, um, was left down in Austin to play, and then he's back on development contract this year. Um, I'm actually surprised with the guys who decided to come back. I think one of the biggest questions we had as Jackal fans up here was, are guys going to trust the Jackals after it what would, happened? That would be really tough. I mean, a ton of guys left their countries to come over here on a guarantee that within weeks was just was gone. 
I think it. I think it's going to be tough. Jacob, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, it's kind of hard for them to back out now. I wouldn't see Dallas backing out now. So at least, I mean, you got to put your trust in them. You're here. I don't know. That's this what happened last right year. Right at the though. point last year where I mean, we were like, oh, they've got a head coach, they've got all these players, and then but yeah, they were announcing everybody backed out at the last second. I forget. Yeah. I was talking to. Um, we interviewed Chad Go, and um, he said he was literally a day away from moving here. Uh, Connor Mooneyham yeah. was moving up here with his his wife, and literally found out like um, as he was packing. Yeah, as he was packing. That's right. And um, it turned out that actually we had received as media an email earlier than the players were notified about the cancellation of the season. And so to me, that was, I was like, man, like, I just don't know how as a player you would be like, Oh yeah, next year, sure. Yeah, sure I'll thing. Sign and, me up. I'll be back. <laughs> you know, it's it's, and I feel for them. Like I absolutely do. They've they've all like committed their lives to playing rugby, right? Uh, they've signed a contract, and then for it to fall through, even if you get that same contract going to play for San Diego or Houston or Austin or whatever, you you have to change your plans. You have to you you may have signed a lease. But a lot of them didn't get that because San Diego, Houston, whatever, they already had their team. And they so were, they, they may were have signed a, a lower contract amount with them, and they're not going to get the time that they thought they were going to get. And now they've got to sign another lease, right? And how much did it cost them to cancel that lease? How much did it cost to cancel the moving truck? Like all these different things, like um, getting visas. I mean, I, I can imagine how hard it was to get a visa to come over for a work visa to come over here to play professional rugby. All, I mean, the, all I, the Fijians that they had signed, the three or four Fijians that they had signed who who didn't end up coming over. I think they're, a lot of them are signing with Drua, which great for them. That's going to be great competition for them uh, to play in that. But uh, it's it, to me, it was unbelievable at the time. And uh, now you know, seeing some of the guys come back, Bronson and Carlo, um, you know, good on them. I mean, that makes me believe in it more because those guys are willing to come back. They really believe in it. Yeah, uh, but I see what you're saying from like a player standpoint, like how hard it would be to trust it. But at this point, if Dallas doesn't do it this year, they're not going to be able to. I don't think this is their last I think there's a big sentiment around the league that if if this falls through this year, because – Let's say L.A. and Dallas had postponed last year. You'd feel a lot better about them playing this year. But L.A. committed and ended up winning the championship. <laughs> and it makes well, with, Dallas with that team, falling out of it look win, so bad. Yeah, that's true. Could you imagine owning a bunch of Dallas Jackals merch, like a hat and a jersey, and then they never play? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I was so afraid that they were going to get all new merch. They were like going to change around the logo and stuff before the show. I was like, I just spent like 200 bucks, 250 bucks on gear, and now they're going to change everything. I'm going to have to buy all new gear. But they're like, no, 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 no. We're going to keep using that stuff. So I was like, yeah, it could be like being an Austin fan where they've had four different team names. <laughs> so I actually have, um, I've got a couple of the old 
Austin gear. I still have. A, I've got my old elite jersey. I think I have an elite. I didn't I've get got a, anything. And I've got a Gilgroniac t-shirt. Nice. But yeah. so outside of MLR, um, personally, I know, you know, D1 rugby is starting up. They're starting training for a men's club, uh, women's club as well. Um, uh, Grand Prairie is going to be playing D1 for the first time this year. Um, Do they have any other sides or just a D1 side? They're doing a D1 and a D3. So they're allowing that now. It used to be that for a long time they were saying if you had D1, you had to have D2. Because they wanted to match up the yeah. the teams in those two divisions, and they've loosened up on that. Um, so that gives us, um, you know, three teams up in Dallas, two teams in Austin, I believe one team in Houston. H is uh, so HTX is technically going to be playing D one, but they're not right. going to be playing for nationals. Like it's literally just friendlies for them. Gotcha. So, um, I think there may be an addition. There's been talk of Little Rock, and there's been talk of uh, the Glendale Merlins, or whatever they're calling themselves now, um, playing in D1. But I haven't seen confirmation of that yet. So, I'll have to look. I know that the American Raptors are going to be traveling around playing a bunch of teams. Yeah. Um, but I hadn't seen anything about the Merlins yet, and I hadn't confirmed anything on Little Rock. I'll have to confirm that. But in Dallas, for us to have three teams is is big again. It's been a long time since we've had three D1 teams uh, since Fort Worth fell off. And um, I think everybody's kind of excited about Grand Prairie coming up because um, it's providing more quality competition in D1, especially in the area. And they're also developing a women's program. So um, women's programs are growing. Actually, the numbers for men's programs seem to be falling for whatever reason. And I, you know, maybe pandemic, maybe, um, you know, for whatever reason, people are, you know, trying out other sports. And I think a lot just, of it um, has to do with the colleges. A lot yeah. of colleges are offering women's varsity for rugby, while the men's are not getting varsity programs for rugby. Yeah. And one of the things at SMU is we're, we're trying to develop a men's and women's program so we can, you know, compete in a varsity level or a quasi varsity level. Um, but it's um, it's interesting to see how people are coming back from the pandemic. I think there's a little bit of a struggle in the uh, men's and women's club programs to get players back from the pandemic. Colleges, I think, are suffering the worst. Um there's just so many different it's kind of like if you think about going to the movies or um, watching cable TV, there's so many streaming options and other entertainment venues now that, you know, those numbers have dropped and they're not going to come back because there are just so many more, more options now. I think the same situation happens in college, especially when you basically disappear for a year. Yeah. Program just gone in a, for a year. Those players end up going and finding something else. There's so many options for them, in especially in college, to go do something, join a frat, go try out a different sport, whatever, and they just fall off and they never come back. And so you lose an entire uh, year, year and a half of students. Yeah, um, we lost one of our best players to Quidditch. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. To be fair, he came to from Quidditch. Right, right. And, 
And he was on, like, the national team or whatever. Yeah, he won, like, the fucking World Cup. Yeah, they won the World Cup or whatever. But to be fair, we lost our best player to Quidditch. Quidditch. I I feel like that's where we should end. (laughs) (laughs) When you lose a rugby player to Quidditch, you might end the show there. Um, Anything else y'all wanted to mention? I think high school rugby, they, they continued kind of the beginning of last year. Uh, it's looking healthy. I think high school rugby is maybe looking healthier, better than more than ever. And part of that is MLR, right? That's it's that forward thinking of kids. Now I can play and make money in this sport. So this is an option for me rather than trying to play football or basketball or something else. It's college where the biggest struggles occurred. Yeah. So I guess for that we have, um, for Abilene, they're having a tough time getting a men's team, which ever since I've known them, we've had to combine Midland and Abilene to barely field 15 players, but they have a new coach. Um, apparently they have a really big, uh, youth program. So they're, they're getting 20, 30 kids, which is really, really good for Abilene when you can't even field the full, you know, right. D three or D four men's side. So, I mean, they're, that's good. They have a youth program, but if anyone out there wants to play for Abilene, they could definitely use some recruits. <laughs> we uh, lost Hillcrest- uh, Abilene. ACU fell off, and mm-hmm. I believe is playing with the men's club because they didn't have enough players. Yep. So, yeah, so even with the two of them, they don't have enough. Tons of our schedule has been canceled because yeah. teams haven't had enough players. Yeah. Um, the Hill Country Blues are hoping to hold a tens tournament, I believe, in January. See, these are the things, these are the ideas I think that some of the programs need to really consider is like, what else can we do? Yeah. Like, we need to have rugby union. Do we have sevens tournaments? Do we have tens tournaments? Well, they uh, just hosted like their that. first sevens tournament two months ago, something like that, in Kerrville, and they have the nicest pitch I've ever seen. Uh, I'm serious. That thing, I keep telling Jacob this, but yeah, they have the nicest pitch I've ever seen. I hear it every week. Yeah. <laughs> Anything from you, Jacob, on the front? Do what? Anything from you on rugby front in Texas? No, not Midland. It's dry as hell out here, man. <laughs> so, yeah, if you want to play in Midland, they need yeah, about 15 players. For a charity game going, and that fell through, so it, there's nothing happening in Midland. Uh, from your last episode, though, one thing that did catch my attention is Grant was saying something about if they draft somebody, they don't have to sign that person. Yeah. So there is, um, and part of why Dallas has not announced all their draftee signings is because they do have to come to an agreement. Um, and the player doesn't have to agree to a contract with that team. Um, and their contract could be, I guess, released to the rest of the league, uh, for being picked up because the, the the contracts are signed with MLR. They're not signed with the specific teams. So it, it's weird. I'm not sure exactly how that works. He obviously knows a lot more because he is in the inner workings of that. And that's why he had to leave us is he's become more entwined in the inner workings of that. So um, I will pick his brain and find out more about why that is. But yeah, part of it is that the player and the team have to come to an agreement. It's kind of like Major League Baseball, right? The player could just decide, I'm going back to college. Like, uh, I'm just, I'm, and basically the contract's gone. Like, you lose the rights to the player and everything. It's really weird. I've never really understood that about baseball. But 
Um, well, you get to keep the rights for a little bit, don't you? MLR, you keep the rights, I believe, for a year unless you decide to release them. Okay. Um, so there is a weird, there are re- weird rules around, like if you don't apply for the draft and um, you try and sign a contract, you can't do it within a year of the draft or whatever. Um, if you're a graduating player, it's really weird. Like the rules are bizarre. But if you apply for the draft, don't get drafted. You can go sign whatever you want. Yeah. So it, it's complicated. And one thing that we've always talked about with MLR is we'd like them. And I've gone on the rugby rant, talked about this and wherever else that they need to be more transparent about these rules and make it more clear about what's happening so that the fans can understand like when something like this happens, like this is why this happened. Like it's not just that, you know, we're making crap up as we go. (laughs) That gives little confidence in the league when you feel like they're just, you know, flying by the seat of their pants rather than there's a clear set of divine rules. And here's why this happened with this player or with this coach or whatever. So yeah, I'll, I'll dig in more for that for next time, but um, it is, very interesting how drafted players contracts work yeah yeah whenever whenever he was talking about it on last episode it just was like that's weird so even uh dustin was kind of like that's weird yeah i hadn't thought about that either i just because the chances out here i mean for getting signed at all i mean that that was the people said though about the mlr draft they're like well does it work if a team in california drafts a player out of new york do they really want to pack up all of their stuff move to california for 25 grand yeah I mean, is that worth it? I will say that they they say that about 90% of the contracts with the drafted players are done before the draft, really. Um, they tried, I know they try to stay within a certain distance because they don't want to do something like that where they make an 18 year old kid or a 20 year old kid. But not only that, but, you know, we uh, we drafted a kid from, um, Oh my goodness, Pennsylvania or something like that. But there was clearly a, uh, oh, it was the Whitewater kid from Wisconsin. And they clearly had a deal with him in place before the draft, um, told him they were going to draft him. And he was agreeable to to moving down here for that. Um, But um, they're not going to draft a guy who they have big questions about whether he's going to accept. Yeah. You know, moving in the contract and everything. Um, I think it would be extremely surprising to see, I would say, more than 5% of the draftees not sign. Yeah, I, I think I'd agree with, with that. It, it may be, there may be a weird situation where, um, you know, somebody for family reasons or whatever else. I think it would have to be a long distance thing where, like you said, you know, be, or I said, someone's in New York and you know san diego drafts them or whatever and they go well you know i really don't want to go sign for san diego because new york said they want to sign me or the free jacks that they want to sign me i I could go an hour down the road and sign why would i go all the way to san diego absolutely so that's it's going to be a tough one i think the one thing about uh drafting a texas kid is they're used to driving all over the damn place (laughs) they know how far apart everything is maybe they don't want to go to boston or toronto but they'll go just about anywhere else you know yeah um, but that's all I got for Dallas. Um, there's going to be a ton more signings, obviously, for Dallas because we're going from scratch. So I'll have a ton more news uh, next time, and hopefully um, we get an interview um, looking at 
trying to bring on uh, two or three different people for an interview. Um, we're going to try and keep that as a part of the show. Um, we love doing the show with just the hosts and talking Texas rugby, but always getting that insider view is is really key to uh, finding out things that we never would have found out otherwise about Texas rugby. Well, all right, Rick. Well, I appreciate uh, you allowing me and John to come on as a uh, hopefully not a temporary host. Hopefully, we can keep this thing going a little bit more than uh, Dustin did. Dustin Grant, we're not going to bail out on you the one year anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of cold. Story of my life. Story of it's my life. Cold. But yeah, that's all we got. So, um, anybody that wants to reach out to us, you want to send us any uh, questions, comments, or anything, you can send those into Texas Rugby Monthly at gmail.com. Other than that, we'll talk to you in a month.